1: You are listening First Time Dance! With me, Richard Innes. And me, Steve Myers. It's every prospective parent's worst nightmare. Uh, you're looking forward to the birth of your new child, and then the very worst news happens.
2: This time, we caught up with Zoe Clark-Coates. She's the author of a book called The Baby Lost Guide. Practical and compassionate support for day to day resource to navigate the path of grief. It's a tough listening part, but I hope you find it useful. Zoe, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, do you, what, perhaps the best way to start is you tell us a little bit about your experience and, and, and why you came to write this book.
0: Yeah, well, I'm the CEO of the Mariposa Trust, which most people know as saying goodbye. and That's one of the leading support organisations in the UK and globally for offering support to those who have lost a baby, whether that be in pregnancy, at birth or in early years, right the way up to four years of age. So that's what we do. And the reason we did it is because we'd gone through personal baby loss ourselves. We've lost five children through miscarriage and mis- miscarriage, so that's why we launched the organisation because we saw that something was really missing. Mm. What's
1: a mis- miscarriage? Yeah, I was just going to ask what yeah. the, 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 the the distinction between
0: yeah. The two? Well, a miscarriage is when the body naturally lets the baby go. A miss miscarriage is when the body holds on to the baby. So on those two occasions for us, we'd been going for repeated scans throughout the pregnancy. Everything was fine, and then on those two losses, we were just told the baby's heart had stopped beating.
1: Can I I ask what what the process is in that that situation? You then
0: go through full labour, which you do with miscarriage, to be fair. People often say it's just a heavy period, but it's not. It is the delivery of a baby, and it depends on how far on in the pregnancy you are, how maybe long the process is, how Mm. much more complicated the process can be. Um, But yeah, it's truly traumatic, especially when nothing can prepare you for it. Mm-hmm. Even if you've been through loss before, it's still the trapdoor opening and you plummet from nowhere. Mm-hmm.
2: So can you just pull the microphone a little bit yeah. closer to what you out. talk right in yeah. like a <laughs> it, like nice cream? Yeah.
1: It's interesting you talking about just even the distinction there. That's something I wasn't aware of, uh-huh. that terminology. And it's interesting, you know, Steve and I, we sit here and we talk a lot about parenting and pregnancy and all these things. And it's interesting how people like us who might consider ourselves, you know, we have tried to be informed, mm-hmm how little is known about some of these things. And it's it's the wide spectrum of different experiences that people can have. You know, you talk about losing a baby Mm -hmm. and there's so many different ways in which that can occur and that can happen. Um, That must make it really challenging when you're trying to kind of talk about that in more general terms, because presumably, you know, having a miscarriage is so different to to losing a baby at birth or to losing a baby who's a toddler or you know there's so many different ways to come at it aren't there?
0: There are but the grieving process is so the same because grief is grief and Mm. you're mourning the loss of your baby and your child and also a million hopes and dreams that go with that you're not just losing your baby at the gestation it is you're losing their first day at school Mm. their first this their first Christmas absolutely and so you're grieving all of that and so the support that you need is the same whatever type of the loss you need to be wrapped around you where you don't know what you need but Mm. you need others to kind of get it and know what you need for you because you're just broken it's Mm. a
1: really interesting point because i'd never considered that actually when you you know you might lose a baby at, at 12 mm-hmm. weeks 20 weeks mm-hmm. but that you'll lose I'd never thought of it like that in terms of you are losing the same things you would lose when you lost a 2 year old yeah it's the same thing isn't it, it in is. the sense that you, you you already have that plan in your head of yeah. how your future's going to look mm.
0: yeah and you grieve for a lifetime grief Mm. isn't a restricted period of time that you know after I think in Britain we're so bad at dealing with grief and loss anyway and it's such a taboo subject in the fact that we almost don't want to even admit death exists we're okay at embracing life but when it comes to loss and Mm. sadness we're told to just put a a smile on our face and we're told we're strong if we make it into work wow aren't they doing well Where actually are they doing well if they're able to just get on with it does that possibly mean they're not processing it
2: mm. Mm. it's a very victorian approach i think Stoic. You know, exactly yeah. i think before mm. that perhaps we viewed we viewed death as slightly different mm-hmm. didn't we but it's a victorian thing um you're a mum of two yeah um, well
0: i'm the mum of seven you the mum of seven mm. um, i've got two children with me though yeah
2: whereabouts What are the the chronology of of what happened?
0: So we lost three children prior to having our daughter, who's now 10, Mm -hmm. and then we lost another two babies before having our next little girl. And every loss was completely different. But it was very different losing the two babies after our daughter, who we're raising with us, um, because it just changed grief. Before having Esme, our 10-year-old, we were grieving the fact that maybe we would never get to to raise a child. We'd never be parents that would mm. hang those Christmas stockings up and, and all of those things that you're thinking maybe I'm only going to carry children and never bring any mm. home. But after we'd had Esme and then we lost our next two babies, we were grieving also her siblings and we almost could visualise what they'd look like because we'd got her sitting in True. our home. So the lo- every loss is completely That's different. That's interesting because I
1: think the assumption would almost be that it would become easier because you've become a parent.
0: Yeah, And it's not at is, yeah. all, it's just different, it's not easier, it's just yeah. different.
1: I have someone very, very close to me, I won't say who because they wouldn't want me to say, but um, who had a very, very similar process to you guys in that had difficulty first time around um, and then did have even more difficulty second time around. Yeah. Um, and seeing the impact that there was on them was, yeah, it, that, that I remember being quite sh- stunned. It's like, but you've got a kid, you've got a kid, you know, yeah. it's not, and you're almost trying to kind of reason... Well, you've got a kid, so it's not, it's not that bad, and that, um, which and is that a terrible thing to say, of it course. It is.
0: And that is a good chunk of my book, what it deals mm. with, is the fact that as British people, we're really bad at letting people sit in pain and letting them grieve and acknowledging how bad it is. Mm. And our culture makes us want to drag people out of that by saying, but but you've got this, you've got a child, um, isn't life great for you? You're lucky that you can get pregnant in the first place and you're not infertile. And when you're grieving, you just want to scream back, but it's not much good getting pregnant if I can't stay pregnant or just because I've lost a child doesn't make it any better if I've got another child in my home. If somebody lost their wife, they would never think to say to them, well, you can find another you mm. can go and get married again, can't yeah, it's you? Very
1: true. Yeah. But
0: children seem to be replaceable in people's language. Well, at least you've got another. But it doesn't make any difference. If I had to ask you, for instance, which one of your children you'd want to lose, you'd go neither. Mm. They're There's equally. Some mornings.
2: <laughs> <laughs> some mornings, that decision's very easy, very easy. Yeah yeah, 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 But you know whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, but broadly speaking, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, so that's yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I was, I've read some articles around baby loss mm-hmm. and th- th- you know i, I wonder from your perspective the thing that i'm interested in is uh how you view your body mm. because it's something as a as a, a man I, I'm, I'm not going to carry a baby Can't even uh, you know I, 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 I can't i can't imagine the uh, the physical feeling towards m- mm. myself mm-hmm. it, you know and we use this term like you know lose a baby as if there's some blame attached yeah it's like if you lose your car keys Uh you know just interested in your perspective on
0: yeah and that is a massive part of loss for women for sure i can honestly say i didn't kind of go through that which is very rare i never blame myself and i never thought is it my fault i just kind of accepted that The loss just happened and it was completely out of my control. But because of working in that area and before setting up the organization and being in the corporate world, I'd actually trained as a counselor because my mum's a therapist. So whether that was part of why I didn't go down that path, I don't know. But it is part of many people's stories that they do start questioning their body's ability and is it my fault and likewise, many men do as well, because when it comes to loss, if there's a genetic issue, it's as likely to be the um, down to the man as the woman. Mm-hmm. But a lot of women automatically think, is it because of how I've carried? Is it something I've done? But actually, it takes two parties to create a child.
2: Well, exactly. And that's, you know, hopefully with Rich and I, the, the thread that runs through this, the, the podcast, is that it, parenting is a joint experience mm-hmm. from the very... Yeah. You know, historically and perhaps tr- traditionally the view has been like you know i've done my bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know step away and perhaps that's where that mentality comes from that you you describe where you know it, people don't think about it as being you know equally yeah uh, equally genetic but,
1: th- but then having said having said that because i agree with all of that but having said that you do w- when you've gone through to something like you've gone through so many yeah. times i you do have to deal with physical trauma, and, and the man, you know, however much you want to be part of it and you want to be as supportive as possible, I can't get my head around as a man sitting here. Uh, the idea of having to deal with all that grief and the mental and, emo- and emotional trauma, yeah. but having to deal with physical trauma on top of that.
0: Yeah, and that, and that, that is that must huge. mean that there
1: is a distinction between the way men and women suffer these things.
0: There is definitely a distinction when you're having to deal with the medical side of it and the hormones and your body recovering and the fact of, do I even want to carry another child? And that whole aspect mm. of when you go on to recover emotionally and start thinking, do we try again? that really does weigh heavily on a woman's shoulders for sure. And so there is a big difference. However, one of the things we're really keen to break as an organisation is this concept that this is a woman's issue and the fact that the woman is suffering so badly that the man should be second place in being offered support. And we are big believers as an organisation in the fact that Both parties should be offered support from the outset, Mm. even though the woman is encountering the physical symptoms. And I say, we support over 50,000 people a week as Mm. an organisation. And a good 30 to 40% is men. And everyone automatically thinks it's going to be the ladies who are asking for support. But actually, there's so many men. And one of the things we've really learned as an organisation is if a man asks for support, they need it now. A Mm. woman will actually be able to wait but a man usually comes at the point of desperation that's like
2: the man in the doctor's surgery isn't it Mm -hmm. blokes only rock up at the doctor's surgery if a bits about to fall off
1: (laughs) i've had this cough for four months and i'm coughing up blood i think i might need to go to the doctor and it's
2: kind of true
0: with grief Mm. and one of the things we do as an organization is we hold saying goodbye services all around the world at cathedrals which are remembrance services for people who haven't had a chance to say goodbye to their child or baby or if they did have a funeral, they were conducted in a fog of grief, and they need this Mm -hmm. touch point, maybe even yearly, as a point where they can come together and remember and acknowledge. And we have as many people attend those who have lost children 50, 60 years ago as people who have lost yesterday. And they are equally made up of men and women. Mm -hmm. And a lot of men come on their own, even when their partners have died, and um, elderly men or um, people who have divorced, because sadly around 70% of marriages and relationships break down after baby loss. It's one of the number one reasons Mm -hmm. for marriage and relationship breakdown in Britain, which is a huge thing. And that's because of communication, primarily breaking down at the point of the loss and the grief. And so where we see couples and men coming alone to the services, it's nearly always men who are left after a service crying. In fact, Mm -hmm. in the history, we've now been, um, we've run over, I think, 140 services. Um, We've been over seven years. I only remember one woman ever staying post a service crying it's always men
1: That's always. really interesting.
0: And that is because they say this is my first opportunity to let all my tears out. I've never had an opportunity before now.
1: So do you find that the the support you you guys offer that it has to be tailored to men and women? Always. So the, there's Everything actually two different do. forms of support essentially. You would you would offer one type of support to a man and another to a woman
0: kind of Mm. in the fact that we offer befriending and so men will befriend men and women will befriend um women but in terms of the support how we aim it for sure there's a difference in mm. the fact of just to show it's okay and it's normal to need that support as a man. Yeah. If we just did one generic thing, I think people, again, would assume that's just aimed at my wife. Mm. But actually, right. if you do um, special articles or features or anything with a man in it, people automatically, it hits home. That makes a lot of what, sense.
2: What, what are the statistics of baby loss? Because I'm aware that some of the people that listen to our podcast yeah. are listening to it as expectant fathers mm-hmm. and will listen to this podcast and then, unfortunately, yeah. will be uh, one a, of bereaved a, a bereaved parent. Yeah. What are what, the kind of numbers that we're talking about?
0: Well, sadly, it's huge. There's over 250,000 every year just in the UK. And what, what
2: bracket does that That have? covers so everything, does
0: Yeah, so that includes miscarriage, stillbirth. So one in four pregnancies will be lost. Wow, it's as much as that. Yeah, it's huge. Over oh. a million every year in America.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a huge issue and I don't think you're aware of it until you go through it.
2: And why? Um, and that trend, and I, uh, apologies in advance if I'm ex- showing some ignorance, but my understanding is that one of the reasons perhaps for that is um, people becoming parents later in life and there's a higher chance of stillbirth or miscarriage among that definitely um, um, plays a part women over 30 35 yeah
0: that definitely plays a part with loss the older um, the mother or father the more likely you are to encounter mm. loss but this is an issue across the board mm. and it's certainly not you're immune to it if you're younger but you are definitely more likely to encounter certain types of loss mm. if you're of a certain age yeah
2: what's what is, it, is it 30 35 the, the women's age? yeah i think
0: that's when you start being classed as a geriatric patient yeah. which is kind of insulting yeah yeah but yeah but a lot of risk factors go up due to age but there's also risk factors when you're really young too and so much can play a part in it to do with the health of either party lifestyle there's just Mm. there's loads of different factors but what research shows is that however much someone tries to avoid loss there's an a huge amount that can't be avoided whether that be due to age lifestyle it's just one of those things as they say so most of the time it's going to be
1: genetic and regardless of how much you relax or put your feet up or don't go to work or whatever
0: I think it's kind of old school to think relaxing stops Mm. it as soon as you encounter loss and you start seeing you know the best specialists out Mm. there they'll tell you actually worrying and things like that don't really play a part Mm. when it comes to miscarriage I think there's a period of time where you actually want to think that it might have something to do with that because you feel that you could control. Right, you're you're looking for control. Yeah, Yeah, and so actually if you think, well, if I relax, that's going to make everything okay, that gives you a sense that you're controlling things. But actually... There's little you can do apart from trying to live as healthy a lifetime as possible, taking your vitamins, um, natal vitamins, etc.
2: But relaxing, presumably, is not going to do you any harm, is it? It's (laughs) not going to do you any (laughs) harm. I'd like to have a bit of relaxing. Yeah, (laughs) it's not
0: going to do you any harm. And I think... In terms of relaxing, that's what you really need for your mental health, rather than to try and prevent a mm. future baby mm. loss. But mental health-wise, relaxing—the more you can relax, the better. Because anyone who's been through loss will tell you, subsequent pregnancy is truly terrifying. Mm. Mm.
2: So I'm, so I'm, a, I put myself in a position. I'm a dad. I'm listening to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, my wife's, you know, pregnant, um, and unfortunately, we suffer a baby loss. Mm-hmm. Um, what can I do as a dad? To help my partner, and my wife. Uh, obviously, I, I'll be looking for some support myself. But yeah. what can what what are the what are the things that you know your um your women you know find useful?
0: Yeah. Well, in terms of practical support, I'd say just be there as much as possible and keep the conversation going. One of the one ways, crucial ways to process grief, is to keep talking about it. And I know maybe stereotypical here to say this, that women are good at talking and men sometimes not so good at talking. But actually, when it comes to grief, you have to keep talking about it. You have to keep saying the story over and over again, which can be really repetitive. And if you're not a great talker yourself, it can be like, here we go again. We're going to have to hear about the whole circumstance all over again. But actually, that is so vital in processing grief and trauma. Is that to
1: the point, sorry to interrupt, but is that to the point where Presumably, there'll be some women who who just want to clam up, who who don't want to address it, don't want to talk about it. But you should as that woman's partner you should try and pull them into those conversations just
0: trying to encourage yeah. it I would yeah. never suggest saying you know you've got to talk yeah. about this um, whether you want to or not but I'd say just creating an atmosphere yeah. that they know you are always willing mm. to listen and if you have heard it three or four times try not to roll your eyes and go are we going here yeah, again so
2: I imagine there's quite a few dads that would be like just, just don't want to talk about it I don't want to talk yeah. about it you know I, I don't want to talk about it and that's not mm. helpful to your wife no or partner
0: absolutely the More you allow them to talk, the healthier their grieving process Mm. will be in terms of dealing with the trauma and the loss. So that's my first bit of advice keep talking about it and um, be willing to show your emotions from it. Be willing to engage in that. I speak to so many men who say, I'm just trying to protect my partner. I don't want them to know I'm hurting. I don't want them to know I'm suffering because I think that's what they want. They want me to be strong. Well, actually, when you talk with women and you sit down with them, they'll say, all I want is my partner to share how they're feeling. I just want to know that they're hurting too.
2: We had a um, a dad come on a while back um, to talk about stillbirth. Do you remember one yeah. of the guys? And
1: yeah. he, he Two and of them, partner, they were fantastic.
2: And him and his partner split up, didn't he? Because he, mm. he couldn't cope with it. And it initially. took him until
1: quite a long time after the process mm-hmm. to realise that he really needed to engage with, yeah. with his grief and engage on, on, on that sort of level. Um, and it was really interesting because he was talking about how he considered himself to be a really old school, you know, mm-hmm. sort of old fashioned man. Yeah. Um, and it took him that, I mean, I can't remember what the time frame was, but it was quite a long time yeah. past before he realised he needed to get past that yeah. and actually really engage with his emotions.
2: And yeah, he, it and led hard. to he and his partner... Um, reconciling Mm, didn't it mm. because because they you
1: know because they were able to then have those discussions the the exact discussions you're talking about I suppose and it's so
0: vital and I know it can be so hard and if that's not your personality and not how you engage Mm. on life generally to ask somebody to then do it with grief on one of the most traumatic experiences they've possibly ever gone through is a big ask and so for some people they may need to sit down with a counsellor to help them and to help them engage with that or reach out to an organisation like say Goodbye. Where we can befriend you, we can walk alongside you, we can give you advice, we can give you leaflets, we can give you resources, all to just help you engage. And that was one of the reasons I wrote my book for men and women. And it's got stories from dads, it's got stories from mums in there, just to help this conversation get started because maybe if you can't explain your own story by just hearing somebody else's you can go actually I feel like that too and that might be the nugget you need to start that conversation. Yeah. How do you think,
1: th- sorry Steve I was just going to say that the the thing that strikes me and that we haven't mentioned here is um, anger and bitterness mm-hmm. right now I have I have some experience within my family of of child loss and the thing that I've always, trying to put myself in the shoes of those people close to me, the thing I've always thought is I would just be, I mean, I'm quite an angry person at the best of times. So I have a short temper anyway. And I get frustrated very easily. And that's part of an issue I have with my son when, you know, two-year-olds throw tantrums. Yeah. But to be in those situations where you've actually lost a child, mm-hmm. I have often thought to myself, I would have just been consumed by my own anger. I'd have been so bitter and so angry at the world that I think it would have just eaten me up from the inside out. Mm-hmm and i wonder how much experience you've you know in the various men you've dealt with how how do you get someone to process that because it's one thing having somebody who clams up and just you know sits sits with it inside and won't talk about their emotions, but what about the other the other extreme where yeah. you just your anger is everywhere and you can't cope with it and can't deal with it?
0: And that is super common, and counselling mm. again helps that because it helps you break down what you're angry about mm. and how you can focus on that. And a lot of men really dive into sport when they're grieving, so they take up, a- running or boxing and they allow their grief to be processed almost in a physical manifestation of it. And that can be really healthy too, especially. Is that, is that not a kind
1: of, uh, is that not kind of, what's the word, misplacing it or kind of not addressing it? No. It, as long as you do both. To
0: keep talking and keep processing the emotional Mm. part of it, but also allowing that physical response to come out. That's really healthy for Mm. both men and women. As long as it's done in conjunction, what you don't want is to be putting a lid on it and Mm. to say, okay, we're not going to talk about it. I'm just going to do anything but. But as long as you can process those things at the same time as talking about it, physical exercise can be so helpful for many people who Mm. are grieving.
2: How did your other half cope?
0: Well, he processed things very similar to me, we're really soulmates, best mates, and we talk about everything. So that was really helpful. If he'd just gone silent on me, that would have been really hard, because not only would that have been the opposite of what we normally do, um, but I would have definitely felt more alone. The fact that he was willing to talk about it, and we very much saw it as we both lost a child. From the outset, it wasn't ever Me and then him secondary, we very much dealt with it together. However, his priority was definitely making sure I was okay initially. And he will always say that and openly discuss that, that for him, his priority was making sure I was okay. And once he knew I was okay, he was able to start talking a lot more. But initially, he just wanted to make sure that I was going to survive it. Because for a while there, you doubt that you're ever going to come out of your house again because you're spending all your time sobbing on the bathroom floor and so to enable you to recover you really do need people around you to give you that strength to move on and he was definitely that for me but at the same time he was willing to sit there and cry
1: because I suppose that's the interesting point because you you talked before about the amount of men who say I need to be strong for my wife or partner I need to I need to have that strength because she's really struggling and I suppose it's interesting that You're saying that that was one of the positive things that your your husband was able to give you. But I guess it's a tightrope, isn't it? Because you've got to kind of walk that that line where on the one hand, yeah, you want to have the strength to help her through it. But on the other hand, you don't want to disappear and you don't want to shrink into yourself. You've still got to be engaging. So I suppose you've got to do a bit of both. You do.
0: And that's why I say it is such a tricky thing Mm. for men because they're not engaged on the physical aspect of it Mm. like the woman is but they're having to do both they're having to be this um strength but also you want to see the emotion and and that's not even including if you've got other children there who still need looking after and that practical where life has still got to go on Mm. um a lot of women will say the fact that their biggest issue comes when obviously, if they're still off on leave from work, but their husband returns to work, they find that very, very difficult as well, because it's almost like their husband's re-engaging with the world, but yet they're still in this place of grieving and mourning. So if they're not perhaps leaving the house very often, but their husband's return to normal life, that again can become almost a resentment point mm. that life is moving on for one and not for the other. So I think it's just being willing to talk about that and to share actually that is what I'm feeling and the husband maybe if he has returned to work first coming back and talking about how hard it was to be at work while feeling so sad and broken rather than just making out it was a normal day at work
1: yeah that makes sense what are the practicalities in terms of um, the, the the kind of rights you have as a worker because none there's, there's none so because, it's clear, you know, obviously you have a baby as a man, you get to yeah. take two weeks off and statutory leave yeah. and all the rest of it. But so if you've gone through something like that, you're just relying on Mis- the goodwill of your employer. Absolutely. Essentially.
0: Miscarriage, there's no entitlement whatsoever. There's a new act that's just been brought in, which is paid bereavement leave, which is going to allow two weeks. Um, but that's only applies to a stillbirth. Right. it doesn't apply to miscarriage at all which is any loss at 24 weeks or well, pre 24 so weeks.
1: So if you if you lose a baby at 23 weeks You're you entitled have to, to you, nothing. you have to get on with it mm-hmm. apparently and yeah. if you lose a baby at 25 weeks you get 2 weeks off.
0: Yes but not only that if you lose your Sounds baby nuts. at 25 weeks you get full entitlement to your maternity um benefits etc so it, and people miss that by mm. hours and um not only that you don't even get a birth or death certificate so if you lose a baby at 23 weeks unless your baby's born breathing or with signs of life you're not given even a stillbirth certificate
2: nothing
1: so you're just made to feel like they didn't exist absolutely that's bloody outrageous well it-
2: it is <laughs> to put myself as a slight devil's advocate position, mm-hmm. we're talking about a lot of baby loss, aren't we? Uh-huh. And that's a lot of yeah. A lot of potential
0: money in terms of maternity and pay, but not in terms of recognizing those baby no. or giving a stillbirth no. certificate no. or baby loss. And that's one of the things we're campaigning for as a charity. And I'm actually um working on um, a review for the Secretary of State for Health at the moment and part of that is looking at a new loss certificate to be given for all babies mm. if a parent requests it just so you've got that recognition yeah. mm. because to just be told that your baby didn't exist but it's the fact that they don't even exist on your family tree or mm. anything, yeah. I mean it's just and It seems horrendous. unnecessary
1: because we're not talking about benefits, we're no. not talking about money here, this is literally talking just about a case acknowledgement. Of giving yeah. people what they need. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So actually why wouldn't you have that, it's just crazy.
2: That's cool. what I think. And in terms of your two children, who are you, ten and seven, seven, yeah, how do you have the conversation? Do you uh, do you have a conversation with them about? you know mummy had yeah they've always been
0: aware of it and people say to me often i'm so scared of what to say to my children but actually children are so adaptable and will just go with the flow Mm. over absolutely everything and i think as parents we almost want to closet them too much Mm -hmm. and actually part of parenting is saying this is life there's a circle of life there's life there is death yeah. And so just like we'd go and celebrate the birth of the baby, at times we have to say goodbye to babies. And they just uh, completely at ease with it and talk about it as naturally as anything.
2: I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, I mean, as a, th- what, a three-year-old who is going to experience of death, in inverted commas, yeah. is going to be playground, talking about superheroes, yeah. without an understanding of the concept, you know, like, I, I'll kill you. But it doesn't. It's like a game. Mm. Yeah. It's not really. So you, you're right in what you say. I think it's important for young children to have that understanding what it actually is. Yeah. Rather than just this, you know. The sort of uh, 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 idea in the ether that you see in yeah. TV programmes and, yeah. and stuff Absolutely. like that.
0: And being honest and saying mummy and daddy are completely broken right now, mm-hmm. but we're going to recover. We've actually got a video on our website for children that was written um, and produced with Dr. Range, who most people will know from CBeebies or now Strictly Come Dancing. I say yeah, Strictly yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he's a paediatrician and we yeah. wrote that with him for parents to sit down with their children. It just says the fact that Our baby has died, but this is part of life Mm. and a horrible part of life, but we're all going to survive it just so children could be educated in that. And it is hard. It's horrible. We want to protect our children. My grandfather died a few weeks ago and it was so traumatic for us all. And at the point of his death, I remember just screaming myself going, oh my goodness, I've got to walk into the other room and tell my two children who utterly adore him that granddad's Mm. just died. And, um, I walked into the room and Bronte, who's our seven year old, she screamed and fell to her knees and said, I'm never going to be happy again with me. Granddad's <laughs> yeah. died. Yeah. And oh my goodness, <sighs> yeah. it was heartbreaking. And I just let her cry and sob. And she bawled her eyes out for 24 hours. And I said, It hurts like hell, doesn't it? It's agony. I know it's agony. Mm. I promise you, it's not going to hurt like this forever, but just keep crying and keep crying until the hurt stops. And 24 hours later, she skipped into my room and went, Mummy, look at the sun. Today's going to be a beautiful day. <laughs> and that is how children process yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And she still has moments where she'll suddenly burst into tears and go, Grandad's dead. I can't believe Grandad's not here anymore. And I go, I oh, know, it's awful, isn't it? And she'll say, yeah, it is. And then she'll go and play again. Mm -hmm. But we've just got to keep this conversation going. Just like we do as couples, we need to do it with children. And I think the more we're comfortable talking, the more everyone around us is comfortable.
1: It's funny, yeah, I I have to remind myself sometimes when I'm trying to shut my son down because he's crying or shouting about something silly, and he and he he then gets the idea that crying's bad, and so I'm constantly yeah. on the one hand telling him to stop crying about something silly, yeah. But then trying to make sure that I'm then following that up by saying, listen, it's okay to cry, it's okay to be sad. Daddy he yeah. gets sad sometimes, mommy gets sad sometimes. Yeah. So that's okay. You know, you just don't shout and get angry about silly stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's you, again, it's you're always walking that tightrope you are. aren't you, where you want to do both things at once. Yeah,
0: and trying to educate them, but I think a great way of teaching children that is like when they fall over mm. and just saying you keep on crying until that pain goes and mm. it's so amazing when you give children permission to cry like that and you're not going come on it's okay suddenly they just stop mm. really quickly mm. because all they're looking for is to be heard and as soon as you're acknowledging it's okay to keep crying until it hurts they go oh okay well it stopped hurting now yeah. i'll stop crying good jackson
2: will cry and cry and, cry, and then you'll say do you want to cuddle he just stops crying and goes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but he can't say, I want to cuddle when he's yeah. crying. He needs you to Instigate guide it. him yeah. towards yeah. it. Um, Zoe, if someone wants to get a hold of your charity, yeah. what's what's the best way to do that?
0: Well, they can find us on Facebook at saying goodbye UK. Um, the website is saying You Can look out for me on Instagram at Zoe Adele and on Twitter at Zoe Adele? Um, we're on all social media platforms and for men often that's a great way of engaging because especially in the first instance um but for women too a lot of time when you're grieving you don't want immediate face-to-face contact Mm. or immediately picking up a phone and speaking to somebody you just want to be able to sit back and get that support where you need it when which is why we're really active on social media
2: good good and if anyone listening to this what We've been talking about resonates with you, or you've got anything you want to share? Please do get in touch with um, Rich and I at yeah, first time Dads at reachplc.com or, or use um, Twitter or leave us in the comments section of uh, iTunes. Yeah,
1: yeah, great. Well, that, that's been really fascinating, I so think, and I feel like I've genuinely learned a lot in the last half an hour. So, thank you.
0: Well,
1: thank you for having me on. Great, thanks. <laughs>